Welcome to Living Chassidus. Together, let's live the Chassidus we learn. Hi, everybody. I'm Arya Gerwitz. First of all, I want to say thank you so much to Living Chassidus for men, Men's Living Chassidus, for inviting me to speak. Um, the topic tonight is going to be our emotional relationship with Hashem, having a real, strong, tangible, emotional relationship with Hashem, both in general and as that applies to El and Tishrei. So I want to start with sharing with you a little bit of my personal story around this topic. It's actually a topic that's very close to my heart that I've been thinking about, speaking about for a long time. And uh, my story with it goes like this. So when I was a kid, um, I was in Reform Hebrew School, and for whatever reason, in my Reform Hebrew School, we got little sparks of chassidus that we were exposed to. So if you know the song, Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere, we sang that in my Reform Hebrew School. We actually said, God is here, God is there, God is truly everywhere. Um, there was another song that we sang that I don't know where the song comes from, but it was like, um, all around us is Shekhinah. It was like with hand motions, like all around us is Shekhinah. And uh, so we had that. And I also remember hearing a word, which I believe is a Kutzker word, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that he was, the Kutzker Rebbe was asked, where is Hashem? And he answered, wherever you let him in. So I hope I said it right, you know, but that's, that's the way I remember hearing it. So... As a kid, I had, I had, uh, I guess even as a kid, I had a little bit of a spiritual side to me and it really bothered me. Like, you know, Hashem is everywhere. He's here, there, everywhere. You know, I, I don't really see him. I don't really feel him. Um, sounds like it makes sense that he should be everywhere. I mean, if he's not everywhere, where else would he be? But, you know, I don't really get what that means. And it, it really bothered me. And then wherever you let him in, that like bothered me even more, like, you know, I thought he's everywhere. So what are you telling me is wherever I let him in? What does it even mean to let him in? Uh, you know, so, so this is something that, that bothered me even when I was a kid. Um, and when I became from, it's interesting, like, even though, you know, obviously you become from, so that obviously has something to do with, with Hashem and God and everything. But, but it was almost like there was like becoming from because the Torah is true. And you almost like, you don't really need necessarily this like tangible relationship with Hashem for that. It's like, hey, there's Hashem, Hashem gave the Torah, the Torah is true, so you want to follow it. It teaches us to live a good life. Um, there's a lot of wisdom in it. You know, we want to learn it, we want to follow it. But it doesn't mean that you actually like feel like Hashem is there, right? And, and uh, at a certain point, all of this bothered me enough that I like, I started to consciously work on it. Um, in fact, one of, the, one of the things that happened when I was in yeshiva that pushed me to realize this is something I really wanted to work on is there was someone like a, a family friend, if I remember correctly, that was having some kind of a health problem. And, you know, so my family asked me to mention their name, but they gave me the name, but it was saved by Misha Beirach, you know, and it's a daven for them. And, uh, you know, it was like a funny concept for me, like they're asking me to pray for someone specific, like I don't really do that. But then again, it totally makes sense for them to ask me to do that. Like, after all, I'm like coming religious and everything. So 
it really makes sense that uh, someone should be able to ask me to pray for them. So that's, that like kind of shook me up and made me realize like, you know, this whole thing doesn't really make a whole lot of sense if I'm, if I'm following the religion, but God does not feel real. There's something off about that for me. And that led me to start really thinking more deeply about this topic and, and um, searching a little bit for like not only Yiddishkeit, but like that emotional relationship with Hashem. Um, fast forward to today. So a few months ago, I remember I was at a Fabringen. I think it was on Yitzhak Kislev. And at the Fabringen, it was like a, it was a nice discussion kind of Fabringen. Everybody was sharing their, their thoughts on different things. And um, uh, so everybody was sharing their thoughts on different things at this Yitzhak Kislev Fabringen. And, and I was uh, I, I said whatever I was saying about Hashem and, and so on. And I got a comment. This is the Breslov Sheba Lubavitch. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I didn't know that Breslov, like, they took ownership of, uh, they, they have copyright on having an emotional relationship with Hashem. I, I didn't realize. Um, but, but it was just so funny for me that, like, coming from where I was coming from in like struggling with this topic of having an emotional relationship with Hashem and Hashem feeling real and whatever, that like I became the guy who's Breslov Shavlubavich <laughs> at, at that particular Ferengen. Uh Not in a bad way. I'm just saying like the fact that, that that was like a significant shift that occurred for me that like I went from being a kid wondering like what does this mean? Hashem is everywhere and Hashem is wherever you let him in, you know, and all the stories that I just shared a few minutes ago to like I'm the guy who's like pumping the idea of like the emotional relationship with Hashem. Um, so I want to, what I want to do is I want to share with you a few ideas that I think could really help everyone develop their emotional relationship with Hashem. Um, because, you know, I, I basically went on a, a conscious journey. Like I said, after that, that story in Yeshiva, I consciously worked on this really for a few years. And I, I came to feel that it is... First of all, it's not something for like earlier generations when they had higher neshamas or, you know, something like that. It's really something for all of us. Um, and I came to feel that the main uh, challenge of it is that we don't know how to do it, you know? So like we don't, we are not necessarily taught exactly what we should think about or exactly how do we go from a state of consciousness of not recognizing Hashem to a state of consciousness of, yeah, recognizing Hashem. Like what are we supposed to do exactly? So it's, it's much less a problem with like, oh, we're a low generation, we're the, we're the end of Golos, we're the Ictus of Mshicha, so we're not shy at all these things. Our job is to just do. Um, you know, I, I think that we're, it's very possible for us to have a relationship with Hashem if we know what we're supposed to be doing. And so that was, you know, something that I became convinced of as well, is that, you know, it's, it's not just for individual, like Yechide Segula or like, you know, certain spiritual people. I think it's something that can really be studied and learned and taught and replicated and, and built for every person. Um, I have not yet actually tried that on mass. So if everyone, if anyone wants to like create some kind of program or something where we'll uh, create a structured, you know, course and try to build a relationship with Hashem, that would be a cool thing to do. Uh, but for now, I'll share just two points. Maybe we'll go into more afterwards, but there's two main ones on my mind that I think are 
like really, really essential for setting up that real relationship with Hashem on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and, you know, it doesn't really make that much sense to go into Elul and Tishrei and the king in the field and Binyan Amalfus and, and those kind of things until we have that in place. So at least that's the way that I see it. You know, the, the idea of the king in the field. So like the king in the field is special if the rest of the year you have a relationship with the king where he's not in the field. So it's not like an Elul. It's not like we go from like, uh, not having a relationship with Hashem to, yeah, having a relationship with Hashem, it's that we have, we always have a relationship with Hashem, and depending on the time of year, so the relationship with Hashem takes on a different, a different flavor, a different style, uh, different emotions that get involved at different times of the year. So let's focus first on the baseline, I don't want to say regular day, but the everyday. It, this, these are things that apply every day, whether it's the holiest day of the year or the most regular day of the year. Um, let's focus on those concepts first. By the way, if anyone has any questions, feel free to jump in. Um, so, going back to the question of the, the song, right? I really want to get more of the background of the, of the song of Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere. Like, what did the Rebbe say when the Rebbe came out of the song? Does anybody know? Is there like a certain sikha or something? I would love to find out. If anyone listening to this knows, let me know. Um, so Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere. It seems to me that the idea that Hashem is everywhere has to do with the Alter Rebbe's Mimer in Parshas Vayera, Torah or Parshas Vayera, Pasach Eliyahu, where the Alter Rebbe explains his shitta in the Machlekes of Tzimtum Arishim. Um, you might be familiar with the, the Rebbe's letter about uh, four, four possible ways of understanding the Simpson Rishon. One is the Gra, one is the Nefeshachayim, one is a, a third one that the Rebbe puts out that no one seems to actually hold up, but the Rebbe just puts out the concept. And another one is the Alter Rebbe. We're not going to go into a full explanation of all the Kabbalistic uh, you know, details and stuff now because we want to focus on the, the relationship. But um, the point is that, you know, very briefly, um, the Alter Rebbe's understanding of the symptom of, of the process of Hashem hiding himself in order to create the world, that's really an oversimplification of what symptom even means, but again, we're not going there right now, maybe another time. Um, so the Alter Rebbe writes that Hashem made a symptom on the Orein Seif, but not on Atzmosumuhus, right? And on Atzmosumuhus, it's not possible, it's not shy, if the Rebbe says, for there to be symptom, and it's not shy for there to be Helen. So it's not even appropriate to say that Atmos concealed, Atmos is concealed by the symptom region. It's only the or that existed, you know, before the symptom, before any of the worlds, that or was affected by the symptom, but Atmos was not affected by the symptom. So what does that mean practically? It means that in the author of his words, the, the mar, the etzem, the, the, the essence of Hashem, which is not the light, right? What's the difference between the, the essence of Hashem and the light of Hashem? Think of like the sun, right? This is what the Rebbe says. So think of the sun. So you have the ball of the sun, and then the light is something that's emitted by the sun, right? So the etzem of Hashem is, is Hashem. It's not something emitted by Hashem, so to speak. The or is already something that he, he creates, but we shouldn't use the word creates because it's not a nivra. 
right? And Nivra means there's a, a feeling of separateness from Hashem. So, but the, but the aura is something that's like coming out of Hashem Kivyachol, right? So, so the author ever says that the symptom does not affect the mar, and other Abahamar Hubis which means the etzim of Hashem is right here, revealed here, there, and everywhere. So why don't you feel it? So the reason why you don't feel it is because, well, first of all, you actually do feel it, but we'll get to that in a second. The, the reason you don't feel what you think you should feel is because what you think you should feel is like, if the essence of Hashem is here, then like I should feel this overwhelming sense that he is the all that exists and, and stuff like that, right? Or something along those lines, or, or that he's creating us every moment or, or something. There's something powerful, some kind of powerful experience that I should feel if Hashem's essence is right here, right? So the Rebbe Rashab on the Hagois, uh, the, the Rebbe Rashab has a, it's called the Hagois, the Pasach Eliyahu, Tafresh Nun Ches, where he, he writes a lot, a lot of Burem on the Alter Rebbe's Mimer that I'm talking about. And he explains, no, the idea of his scholars of the Mar, sorry, we're getting into a lot of terms here. We're going to come back down in a minute. Um, so the Hiskalos of the Mar is not like the Hiskalos of the Or. The, the revelation of Or yeah, the revelation of Or causes that kind of powerful experience. It causes that, you know, like Malachim are constantly, their whole existence is just singing to Hashem and, and uh, love of Him and fear of Him and feeling how they're being created by Him at every moment. So Or creates that kind of like powerful spiritual experience. Or Eloki, right? I, I compare it often to, you know, if I look at the floor right now, I know that the light bulb is on. So how do I know that the light bulb is on if I'm looking at the floor? Because the nature of light is that it causes you to have an experience of the source of the light, right? If I look out the window during the daytime, even if I don't see the sun in the sky, I, I see that the sun is shining because that's what light does. Light makes you aware of the source of the light. Um, but the, the light bulb does not make you aware of the light bulb, right? If the light bulb is off, then you actually don't see the light bulb. So it's, it's kind of funny because you would think that the, the essence must be even more powerful than the light that it's projecting. That's what you would think, but it actually doesn't work that way. The light actually creates a powerful experience. And the, if the light is not there, then the light bulb, so to speak, it sits there quietly, almost invisibly. But then Alter Rebbe says something very interesting. He says that Hamar Hubeskalus Vilachin Afilu Tinoikes Yodusha Yesham Elokam Matsui Ava Enam Yedim Echuma. So therefore, even children know because the Mar Hubeskalus, because the Atom of Hashem is not concealed by the Timtum. So therefore what? He doesn't say therefore we're all having this powerful experience of Hashem's presence, right? Like I just said, that wouldn't, that wouldn't flow. He says, therefore, even children know that there's a God in existence. They know that there's like a, a higher power. They know that there's like something there, but they don't know how or what because they don't have the Hiskalos of the Or. So in other words, what the author is saying is the way that the experience of Hashem works is that 
the or key creates a powerful, intense, emotional, causing you to lose your existence type of experience of Hashem. But Hashem himself, the essence of Hashem, actually does not cause you to experience that. It's, very, it's a very subtle experience of just knowing that there's God and I don't know anything else. Just there's something. In other places, I don't, I don't, if I'm remembering correctly, it doesn't bring this to the of mind, but in other places when this idea is brought, it says, therefore, shame shamayim shagar b'fikol. Everybody talks about God. You know, everybody knows uh, this thing called God. You would talk to anybody on the street, say God, or whatever the word they use for it in their language, and they, everybody knows what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like, how do they know what we're talking about? What? Yeah, yeah, but, it, but not like in a way of like very clear understanding, but in the sense of like, there's some, yeah, there's something, you know, God, you know, the higher power. Yeah, it makes sense. We can have a conversation about that. You know, might not agree on the, the details or the echuma, right? The how or what, or, or what he wants from us, or, you know, all that. But the idea that there's something, everyone sort of knows. Everyone sort of feels it. Um, I didn't do, uh, I don't have any official statistics on this, but people say that even people who are like hardcore atheists, you know, a lot of them will be like, no, there could be something, it's just not God, you know, but. <laughs> um, In the what? In the foxhole, there are no atheists. What does the that mean? The bombs, the bombs are dropping. Right, right, right. There's no atheists. Right, yeah. exactly. Uh, well, that's another thing that when the ego is broken, then, then, uh, you know, we're not so, we don't have such an insistence about that. But also even intellectually, like I think a lot of people who say that they don't believe in God, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll feel that there's something, there's universe, there's spirit, there's whatever, you know, there's some kind of thing, which is not us, which is there. And that's really what Alter I was describing, of, of just that simple knowing that there's something there, not really knowing what, not really have any more sophistication than just that, but just knowing that there's something. And the, and the Alter Rebbe says that, that even children know it. And there's certain sikhahs where the Rebbe emphasizes, like, specifically children know it. Like, children feel it, like, the most, you know, because their, their mind is not developed and they don't have all these other ideas in their head. So you say, okay, that's Shem, and it, like, you know, it makes sense to them. They, they, they experience it. Um, curious, show of hands, how many people remember that simple sense of Hashem or God or whatever word you use? When you were a kid, what word did you use for Hashem when you were a kid? God, God right? What about you? Yeah, reminds me of a funny story when I was a kid. Yeah. I was, I was doing something wrong in Shabbos, I don't know what it was. I was cursing me out and it's like, the Jewish, the Jewish. I didn't understand that. I was like, I walked up and said, what's the Jewish food? Why are you? I know. I know, it's like challenging for me that we're not supposed to say God. It's like, you know, I know I just said it a bunch of times on this video. Hopefully it's okay because I'm teaching Karno. Um, what about you? Also, probably. Whoever is controlling the cubs for me. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, what word did you use? Also the word God, right? So when you think of the word God, happens to be in this in this particular uh, audience that we have here so when you think of the word god you kind of like feel something right 
like you yeah maybe what right what about when you say the word of shen yeah do you feel like there's something like there i'm saying for me when i say the word hashem it like it it's like uh it's almost like a concept and i and a lot of times in my mind when i say the word hashem i'm connecting it back to the word god because god for me captures that feeling that i had as a kid you know of like there being this being here my wife who grew up in crown heights says the opposite you know for her the word god sounds like this concept and hashem is like hashem you know so I think that the word, this is just a theory that I, have. I, spoke, I spoke to about, I spoke to a friend about this, a friend that learns a lot of this, and he also had the same theory that um, the word that we use for Hashem when we're a kid, like captures that awareness of Hashem that we had when we were a kid, which is this awareness of Amar Hubiskala. So it'd be an interesting activity for homework to try to like dig back into your memory and try to. I don't think, um, well, I don't think the word was mentioned. <laughs> Where do you go to Hebrew school? I grew up in Carlisle. Um. So. So what am I saying? So this idea of of Hamar Huvaskalos and and that is really the explanation of the song, right? Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere. Because he didn't hide himself, he didn't contract himself. He only hid and contracted his light, and and that took away the powerful experience of experiencing him, but the the quiet experience of of just knowing that there's something, which is all there really is to know about Atzmosimos. That that there is nothing really to know. He just is. He's he's built in Mitzvah He's something that exists, but there's no description of him. So that simple knowing of the child um, is actually the true knowledge of of Atmos. And that's the idea of Hashem being here and there and truly everywhere. Yeah, but I think that the... So it's true that naturally it dissipates as, as the mind develops, but I think that part of what the Rebbe is teaching um, in the Sikhs where the Rebbe talks about this, like the one of the Hadronim and the Sikh of Tobis Nanbez, um, especially told the Sikh of Tobis Nanbez, is that like you can actually, by becoming aware of this and getting used to thinking about it, you can actually like tap back into it. Um, now, the reason why I brought all this up is to focus on. The, the emotional relationship that we're developing with Hashem, right? So one other, one other thing I wanted to say, actually I meant to say this before, is that um, there's a book called The Practical Guide to Davening. It's an orange book by Av Katz. Shout out to Av Katz for, for the following uh, thing that I'm about to say. Everyone should buy his book. And uh, if the book is out of print, we should get enough people that want to buy it that makes it worth it for them to reprint it because it's a great book. So in his book, he wrote something that that really changed my life um, because it was, like I said, I went on a personal journey to work on these ideas at, or not ideas, these, this relationship with Hashem. And a big part of what, what kicked me off was like something that he writes in his book, which for me was like a missing link. And that was that, that he writes about how the foundation of everything in terms of a relationship with Hashem and davening and all that is that you have to feel like Hashem is as real as another person. 
Because if you don't feel like he's real, then the whole thing doesn't start. It's like, how do you, could you love an imaginary person? Like, probably not really. I mean, I guess you could love the idea of them, maybe, you know. But a, a person is a real person you have a real relationship with. You have real emotions about them, right? So with Hashem, the first thing before Ava, before Yira, before Itachen, before Kabbalah, maybe, and that we can have a debate about. But, but in terms of emotional relationship with Hashem, right? So you have to feel like he's real. If you don't feel like he's real, then who are you having a relationship with? How could you decide if you trust him or not, or work on trusting him if you don't even feel like he's there? The term is for what? That he's real. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not saying that we shouldn't. Uh, I'm not saying that we should put off Torah and mitzvahs until we feel like Hashem is real. I'm just saying that if we're looking at the emotional component of the relationship with Hashem, so the Ava Yira Bitachan Simcha, you know. Uh, feeling Hashem's Rachim and Chaydash Elu, feeling like we want to build Hashem's Machos on Rosh Hashanah, all the emotions, all the emotions begin with them being real, you know, uh, feeling real to us. It's true that Torah and Mitzvahs put us in an elevated state, and part of the elevated state that Torah and Mitzvahs can put us through is to take us from not feeling Hashem's realness at that moment to, yeah, feeling Hashem's realness at that moment, and they can even build more than that. That's that's definitely true. I totally agree. Um, but you could we could also work on feeling that Hashem is real even when I'm not doing a mitzvah. And actually, it's important that we do because we're supposed to let's say eat lunch, not lunch specifically, but we're supposed to eat l'shem shemaim, right? So eating l'shem shemaim is the the purpose of my eating should not be for my pleasure, but it should be to serve Hashem. Hard to do that if you don't feel like Hashem is real. For me, um, I should say nothing. I'm saying is like MS Lamitoi, you know, except on Mahamar who stuff. Meaning, right? So, so the author ever writes in the beginning of Tanya about how different Neshamas are different, different, different Shayr Right, and and stars that these are very subtle things and they're different for every person. And Hashem made it that way. And we say if there's someone who can actually like meet every Jew at their at their level, right? So everyone has their own experience. So all the emotional stuff, I'm speaking from my own experience, and it doesn't mean that no one uh, no one can have a different experience. It's just that I'm hoping that others will benefit from hearing my experience. And of course, I'm happy for everyone to share their experience as well. But yeah, that's a good disclaimer to put out when we're talking about these things. Um, so you want it to be on the Islamita, you're saying. <laughs> so, okay, so so for me, um, I, I, I just felt like once I had that awareness, like, oh, he has to feel real before I'm going to feel anything else, any other powerful 
sustained emotions over time that I'm going to feel about him, they're not going to last and they're not going to be consistent if I can't maintain a, cons a simple consciousness of him being real. Right? Real as if you were another person. Yeah, as feeling as real to me as another person. So like I'm... I'm Right, I came here before, and it was just me and Sharon in the room. No, it wasn't just me and Sharon in the room. It was me, Sharon, and Hashem. Nope. Um, because, because we want that to be normal. Everywhere you go. Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere. You're alone in your house talking to your wife? No, you're not alone in your house talking to your wife. It's you, your wife, and Hashem. Third partner in the marriage. Uh, it adds a lot of meaning to that statement. You know, there's places where the Rebbe talks about uh, letters of Shalom Bias that I saw where the Rebbe says, like, you know, takes like Perk Mamal Tanya, like Hashem is like Hashem is watching you when what you say to your wife. You're talking to your wife, Hashem's standing right there watching what you're going to say. So you better watch what you say. He cares. <laughs> Cares that you should speak to your wife appropriately, you know. Last melech. So that's interesting because, like you were saying, that if, if you really truly believe Phil Hashem's love, I'm not sure if forever was in the room, what you would be is a very open experience. You're sort of saying that babes there, but you're still the same person. Like, should, well, shouldn't that affect you? No, of course. Well, I'm saying that we should, we should, no, of course that affects us. It brings us to a more elevated uh, consciousness. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, well, I, the reason why I said no is because, because for me, I work on feeling this more and more of the time, like feeling it more regularly and trying, and, and whenever I'm feeling that, I'm living in an elevated state. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like, it's not like you walk into the room and you're like, whoa, Hashem's here. Like, because Hashem was outside the room also. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I, I mean. like when I bought some and finally I got paid. And I said, oh, that's rock fun. I need right now. He goes, that's rock fun. I didn't pay you at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So, so it definitely puts you in an elevated state. Of course it puts you in an elevated state. The, the, what I'm trying to say is that we should be to a certain you know, as much as we can, and, and, and we really can, we can do it more and more, the more we work on it, we always want to be in that elevated state. We want to be elevated people. We want to be people that are walking around feeling an awareness of Hashem. You know, and everything, in the mundane, in the shul, in, in the street, you know, um, that's the foundation of right? you always know him. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> not lost love. Machta You lost the love already now. A lot of it. A good chunk of it. So so but yeah, hundred percent. If you're if you're comparing if what we're saying is that there's one state of consciousness where I'm not feeling like Hashem is real. Not that I actually believe he's not real, but I'm just not feeling the reality of him like I feel the reality of another person, right? And we're comparing that to the consciousness of yeah, I feel the reality of like like I feel the reality of another person. Then for sure, yeah, you're gonna be in an elevated state. Um, you might not be like reaching Ava Rabba and you know and Yira Ila or whatever, you know, but but something there's a there's an awareness that he's here, right? 
And, and this is spoken about in halacha, by the way, before anyone starts thinking that this is some kind of a very holy Kabbalistic thing, the, the first halachas of Kitzvah Shokhanarach talk about Shavis Yashem and Negdi Samid. What is the Pasuk Shavis Yashem and Negdi Samid? What does that literally mean? It literally means I bring Hashem into my awareness constantly. That's literally what it means. I put him before me. What do you mean I put him before me? He's there. I put him before me, meaning I bring him into my awareness. Okay, I hear. Um, I think when we talk about it in Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, um, it actually it, it actually even says about getting out of bed that you should you should picture that the king is above you, right? So. Um, it doesn't get into the whole thing about Atmos over there, but the idea, yeah, right. Uh, but like, but picturing him as being there, you know. Um, so, so that that's why I brought up the whole idea of Hamar Hubis because that for me gave me like a really clear way to feel like Hashem is real, right? And that's my first sort of objective. If I could, uh, if I could break down, it sounds kind of funny, but if I could break down my relationship with Hashem into goals, you know, what are my goals in my relationship with Hashem? So my very first goal is that I want to feel like he's at least as real as another person. And for me, um, a really helpful way to do that was to get clarity about this sugya of Amar Huvah's and realize like, Hashem hid only his light. He didn't hide himself. And therefore, he's right here because he never hid himself. So, of course, he's right here. And, and the reason why I experience that, why I don't experience that is, well, actually, I do experience that. It's just a very subtle type of experience, not this, like, overwhelming type of experience like you're in a or something. And once I got clarity about all that, so that really helped me call on that as, like, a quick sort of his plainness. You know, in general, with his plainness, when, you, when you're first learning a topic, it's it's new and you have to learn it and ask questions about it and then you have to think about it slowly and whatever but the more you review it and the more you get clarity about it the explainness like it picks up you know and a quick reminder gets you into that space so that's the first of the two building blocks that i see in terms of uh you know structuring a relationship with hashem in a real way is the first he has to be as real as another person. And like I said, I'm not going to repeat it again. The idea of Hamar Hubeskalis that there, there's a Yesham uh, Alakamatsui, right? There's a God that exists. I don't know that much about him. I don't know necessarily anything about him, but I know that there's something there and he's here and he's everywhere. So then that makes him feel as real. When I think about that, that makes him feel like real to me, like another person sitting in the room. Again, like there's the there's this group of us sitting here, and there's a shem sitting here too. Actually, when I, as I'm speaking about it, it's like, yeah, I do feel some. <laughs> so, so that's number one. So let's say let's imagine we have that in place, right? And and let's imagine you know you go through a whole day feeling that way for the whole day. So it's very powerful because you're, you're constantly feeling that you're in the presence of the king, right, of the creator. On the other hand, 
we didn't say anything about any kind of involvement of his in our life. We just said he's here. Like, it's almost like he's standing here watching. <laughs> you know? Inside. Yeah. And inside and outside and above and below. But he, he's like standing here watching. If, if all we knew about Hashem was what we just described, so it sounds like, okay, Hashem's everywhere, not doing much, but he's here. And that's pretty awesome. If, all, if that was all we knew about Hashem, no. Not sufficient, right? So, so because why is it not sufficient? Because then Torah is going to tell us that we should thank him for things and that we should ask him for things and we should trust him to give us what we need. And how does that work? Like, you know, right, right. But the thing is, like, if I want to thank him for something, right? So I remember having this conversation with uh, a group of guys when I was becoming a Bachev also. We were, like, all in this parsha of, like, trying to figure out, like, okay, we didn't know there's a Shem. Now we're learning there's a Shem, but where is he in our life? That kind of thing. You know, also people ask the question, like, you know, you want to have a relationship with a Shem, a relationship with another person. They, you say, I say something to you, you say something back, you know? With the Shem, I say something to him, he doesn't seem to say anything back. So, like, it's a cute idea, relationship with Hashem, but, like, it doesn't really work, you know? So it, it becomes very important to be able to perceive Hashem's role in my life if I'm going to, let's, let's say, davening, which is mostly, you know, not talking about deeper levels of davening right now, just simple pirshamilis davening or saying brachas. It's thanking Hashem for things that he did asking for him to do things in the future, right? And that basically that cycle all the time, praising praising and thanking are pretty similar, you know? So, you know, so let's take an example. This is an example that Rabbi talks about in the Kutusichas, Chelek Aleph, Parshish Mayach. Mayach. Mam Rumen. Tell a joke real quick. The, that uh, when I was when I was a kid, we also said in in uh, Reform Hebrew school, Malbus Sharumin. We said it in English. We talk about Hashem clothing the naked. So when I was a kid, I was like, "What naked people are we talking about that Hashem is clothing?" <laughs> um, so what what does Malbus Sharumin mean? Arumin means us, meaning it means us by ourselves. If Hashem wouldn't give us clothing, then we wouldn't have clothing. You know, it's not like there's like people out there that don't have any clothing, and Hashem's Talk about us, right? So, so Malbush Arumim is thanking Hashem for our clothing. Now, simple question where does Hashem come into me having my clothing? Uh, my clothing, before I got it, it was in a box. Before I got it in a box, it was in a store. I ordered it online. Um, and you know, before it was in that store, I assume it was like in a factory or something like that. And before it was in the factory, it was like, you know, let's say we're talking about a wool sweater. So if we're talking about a wool sweater, so then it was the wool of a sheep, right? Oh, so now, ah, so I know what, see, I get it. I get where Hashem was in my clothing. 
Hashem gave me my clothing. He gave me my clothing because at the beginning, Hashem created the world. And he set up the whole world, chasing me gracious. And one of the things he created is sheep. And that sheep led to more sheep, and more sheep, more sheep, more sheep, more sheep, until the sheep that lives today. And that sheep had its wool sheared off, and that was made into my wool sweater. So now I found how Hashem got me my clothing because he set up all the initial conditions all the way back at the beginning of the world. He set up all the dominoes, right? And he flicked the first domino and they all went. And three bazillion dominoes later, I ended up with a wool sweater. So thank you, Hashem, for all the way at the beginning of creation, setting up the initial conditions such that I can have my sweater. We actually taught this to kids in Lubavitch Ocean Parkway as part of a Pirisha Mills curriculum. And the Rebbe, Nikita Bey's Rebbe, asked them this question. And most of the kids, you know, they just learned uh, the previous year, Parshat Gracious. They're, they're at the beginning of second grade. And so they said, because Hashem made the stuff at the beginning. So I'm not, I'm not stopped making this up. This is what most of the kids in the class said. And then one kid eventually got what I'm about to say now. Um, which is what the Rebbe says. So, so the Rebbe says, it's, it comes from Tanya originally, but the Rebbe says in the Sikha, um, we know the Mishnah says that Yizahu Chacham Araya Sanayla. So, Chassidus Taiches, Yizahu Chacham Araya Sanayla Me'ayim Liesh. Who's a Chacham? Someone who sees how the whole world is being born from nothing into something at every moment. So when you, when you put yourself in that state of consciousness of, of recognizing the teaching of Chassidus, which is really mentioned by the Rambam right at the beginning of Rishon Targa as well, at least according to some of Parsham, according to the Rebbe, Mamti Kol Nimta, um, Hashem is creating the world at every moment. So if Hashem is creating the world every moment, so where's Hashem and me having my clothing? Well, I have clothing right now. So how do I have clothing right now? Because Hashem gave me clothing right now. Of course, it's also true that Hashem set up the initial conditions, right? It's also true. Um, there's a different sikha where the Rebbe talks about the, the dual reality of each moment. That each moment is, on the one hand, uh, a part of the hemshek of past, present, and future. And, uh, and at the same time, each moment is a creation by itself. With nothing to do with the past, present, or well, it has to do with the present, but nothing to do with the past or the future. Hashem created this moment the way it is right now. You could imagine, just for the sake of his us, that Hashem could have created this moment and then no other moments, and that could have been all of existence. Just make this moment exist for a moment, and that's all. So, Every time we make a bracha, we're supposed to make a hundred brachas throughout the day, every day. Imagine if every time we made a bracha, thanking Hashem for whatever food we're about to eat or whatever we're saying in Shemunasrei, every time we make a bracha, we think about, and the truth is that Shulchan Aruch also talks about uh, thinking about the pirishamilis of the names of Hashem. It doesn't exactly say this about thinking about Hashem's creating in every moment, but there's a, there's a level of consciousness that is asked of us when we make a bracha, even al-fi right? 
And so imagine if a hundred times a day, when we thank Hashem in the form of a bracha, I like to tell my kids, we don't say a bracha. We thank Hashem. And how do we thank Hashem? By saying a bracha. It's a, it's a, the act that you're doing is thanking Hashem. The act that you're doing is praising Hashem. The form that you use to do it is the bracha that, that the Chachamim established. So, so imagine if every time we said a bracha, we would think about Hashem creating the world at this moment. Or if you want to use a more personalized language, he's creating me at this moment. He's creating everything I experience at this moment. He's creating the food I'm about to eat at this moment. You know, I like to use those words. He's creating me and everything I experience at this moment. Those are my words that I like to use for myself. Again, in Dem Sam Chavez, you can find language that resonates in your brain. That's what I like to say for myself. And, and imagine a hundred times a day we thought about that. So that, I think, is like the, for me, is the, the second building block. So there's Hashem is here. He's as real as another person. And in addition to being as real as another person, he's creating me and my whole experience right now. He's creating me and everything I experience right now. Put those two together and actually focus on that. And that's like, whoa. <laughs> All day long. If you could do that all day long, you're in good shape. You know, <laughs> the more you could do it, uh, the better. You know, because that then that really the way I see it is that's like the gateway to everything else. So, like for example, um, what examples did we mention already? So, eating lunch l'shem shemai, right? So I sit down to lunch. Hashem is here with me, just like the other people at the table at lunch. You know, there's me, my coworkers, and Hashem all sitting right there at the lunch table. Hashem is creating me and everything I experience right now. He is creating the food in front of me. And, you know, at that point, you might wonder, well, what's he doing that for? For what purpose is he creating me and my whole experience right now? For what purpose is he creating me and, and like I said, my whole experience? So he's creating me. He's creating the fact that I'm hungry, right? He creates the fact that I have a need to eat. What? Yeah. Yeah. And, and not only that, he could have made it differently. Right? He could have made it that I don't have to eat. We're even told that he will be created that we don't have to eat. So, so that brings out that there's like, it's, it's not just like he happened to create it this way. There's like a specific intention to him creating it this way. It's like every single, all of a sudden you start seeing like every little detail of the world has, it must be specifically intended to be specifically the way it is because he's doing it right now. There's no dominoes flying around over here that maybe some of them were a mistake. He's making it that way right now. So why is he doing that? Why is he making that there's a Jewish person that's hungry and has to eat? What's the purpose of Oh, then I remember everything that says about eating. We have to be mile to Kedusha. If we use it as fuel for a mitzvah, then it becomes Kedusha. If we use it as fuel for a taiva, then it goes down to Klippa. Oh, so, so I actually start to feel that I have this food in front of me and Hashem is right here. 
I mean, like, why on my shoulder? I don't know. But, but Hashem is right here wanting me. Like, he's right there actively wanting me to eat this food consciously as fuel for a mitzvah. It's not just the concept. It's like I, I feel like there's this, like, person, you know, so to speak, or this being that's as real as a person here wanting me to do that. You know, just as real as, like, if you went to, uh, you know, let's say you go to someone's house for a Shabbos meal and, uh, you know, you got the feeling that... Uh, someone really wants you to eat a certain dish because they, they made a special dish, you know? So you feel that person wanting you to eat it and enjoy it, right? So like, you could have just as real of an experience of like Hashem being right there, wanting you to eat it, L'shem Shemayim, as fuel for a mitzvah. That could be a very real experience. And, and it, it flows so much more naturally to have that experience when you have these two pieces in place of Hashem is real, as real as another person, and he's creating me and my whole experience at this moment. Well, maybe that's why they say that uh, that isn't it a word that misnagdim eat uh, make a bracha so they can eat, and chasidim eat so they can make a bracha. You actually start feeling like I'm eating to make a bracha. <laughs> I'm eating as a as a part of my experience of Hashem, as a part of my relationship with Hashem. Okay, so that again, so that's really how I see it. We could go so many places with this. You know, you could go to Bitachin with this. You know, Hashem is creating me in my experience at every moment. What do I think He's going to do in the future? Oh, because I see that whatever money I have in my bank account, that's part of my experience at this moment. That's coming from Hashem. So how much money am I going to have in my bank account in the future? Depends on him. So, well, you could feel lots, or you could feel like suddenly scared, like, oh, maybe I'm not, right? This, this awakens, oh, of course, but, but this awakens for this level of consciousness. It doesn't always immediately generate positive emotions. It really depends on on what else the person thinks and feels about Hashem. Um, okay, well, we don't have to go there. But but uh, that's really the clip of Amalek, by the way. When you know that Hashem is there and you're still having negative emotions. That's the whole worth of the seven nations. They melt, right? When the awareness of Hashem, sometimes bad, some bad minutes go away when you start thinking about Hashem. Oh, Hashem did that, so then I'm not angry anymore. Oh, Hashem did that, so I'm not depressed anymore, right? And some bad minutes persist even while you're thinking about Hashem. And even while you're feeling like Hashem is real, and that's really the Kudra of Amalek, the way that I understand it. It also helps explain a lot of Chumash Midbar. You know, you read Chumash Midbar, and it used to drive me nuts. Like, you read Chumash Midbar, they're having all the miracles and everything, and they're still messing it up. It's like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> you know? But when you start, when you start having a real connection with Hashem, and you, you realize, like, oh, like, not everything is positive. Like, what if I'm sick? And, like, Hashem is made, if I'm sick, and I really don't like being sick, let's say. I really don't. You ask my wife. <laughs> um, yeah, usually people don't. Mean so they say that uh, women handle being sick much better than men. You heard that? Every time men are sick, like we think like that's it, you know? But that's what I heard that from a few people. I don't know. I have to do more of a survey. But, but you know, so if I'm having experience that I really don't like, let's just say being sick, right? Hasashalom. And I'm super aware of Hashem being as real as another person, and Hashem's creating my whole experience right now, and Hashem's making me sick. Hey, I don't like that. 
right? So it starts getting very like real and very raw. Um, but but again, that's that's there's like I said, there's many places we could go with this because the whole Yiddish kind becomes. What about learning Torah? Learning Torah while you're in a state of awareness that Hashem is as real as another person and He's creating your whole experience right now, and He gave you the Torah, which is His mind. That's what the Torah is. So then it comes to mind like uh, wow, sitting right here. I'm picking his brain. He's sitting right here and I'm picking his brain when I'm learning to turn up. It's crazy. That's why what was the thing that was like in the crop of the Right, right, right. And the Alter Rebbe says also, uh, well, the Alter Rebbe in general talks about being and in the later Prakham of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe says, that how you called somebody the Hulu mine means if you're thirsty for Hashem, learn Taira, but you don't realize it's just like you don't realize he's in there. You know, you have to bring yourself to that awareness. Um, so again, we could go everywhere with this. What's the purpose of everything? What's the purpose of each individual thing? But we want to go, yeah, we want to go to El and Tishrei because uh, officially we're talking about El and Tishrei. So now. So imagine you're, this is how you're feeling in Cheshvan, right? <laughs> this is Cheshvan right here, what we're talking about. He didn't even say anything about any Yom Tevin. So, so El and Tishrei is, within all this, there's something special about each time of the year. Because this is throughout the year. This is at every moment. Everything we talked about until now is at every single moment. Yeah. Here, there, and everywhere. And and now, then, and every when. I just made that up on the spot. Have that in everyone. Um, so what's with Elon Tishrei? See, I, I love this because just one more general thought about learning Chassidus that I think about a lot. You know, sometimes you learn a mimer and it's like, it's like right where your heart is, you know? And then other times you learn a mimer and it's like, whoa, this is like, what's going on over here, you know? And it's so abstract and it's so, you know? So I, I find that if I'm ever like teaching a mimer or even not teaching, even just deciding for myself what to learn, um, but especially if I'd be teaching. So it's a good question to ask, what would a person need to appreciate before appreciating the topic of this mimer. Because meaning mimer is in my perspective. Thing. What? Meaning meaning you can't just off the street run a mimer Mimer should teach you a specific point of this about the topic. I know I know wondering about uh, the baseball game. Talk about talk, you know, you have to first get yourself in mind today, let's talk about Betachin, and when you head on Betachin, it's here, that's what you think? Yeah, so, so Betachin is one of the more low-hanging fruit type of ones, that's why I think a lot of people get excited about the idea of Betachin, because it's very, like, directly related to what's going on in our lives. You know, but if you learn, uh, I'll just take, like, a very Haskalah type of example, like the early Maimarim of Ayan Beis, um, 
you know, I, I didn't go to Ryan Bates, but the one of the early Maimarim there, it starts talking about Eris and Kalim and I, like the process of his Havas HaKalim. Okay, so his Havas HaKalim, let's ask that question. What top, what would I need to appreciate in order to be interested in a discussion about his Havas HaKalim? Right? There's things that you need to be in, you need to have an appreciation of before that discussion feels relevant and interesting to you. And it's not just that you stop eating ice cream. It's like there's stuff that you have to, so for example, like it's going on a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's a, uh, it's a worthwhile tangent, if that's okay. So, so the concept of spheres, right? So what are Oiris and Kalim? Oiris and Kalim are two components of the spheres. Now, if I have no idea what a sphera is, then I'm very unlikely to be interested in the two components that make up the sphera and how they could be this way and they could be that way. But if they come together in the perfect way, then you get a sphera, which I don't even know what a sphera is. <laughs> right? But if I have a concept of what a sphera is, even a simple concept, for example, if I know that the sphera, that anytime I say the sphera of Atsilas, it means um, Hashem's midah of that. So in other words, X of Atsilas equals Hashem's midah of X. We could use uh, algebraic uh, thinking over here. So, so Chesed of Atsilas equals Hashem's midah of Chesed. Gvura of Atsilas equals Hashem's midah of Gvura. Don't think so? Should I say kiviyachol, just in the case? But but conceptually, that's what it is, yeah. right? To the and point that so yeah, so atzilus is interesting. Oh, like it's like an interesting question. Like there's there's a shem, right? Shem says is another person. He's sitting right here. Does he have midas like us? So in in a in a way, no, they're very different than ours. But in a way, yes, because like you said, right? There's some kind of structure that he put himself into for the sake of the creation of the world. We call it Adam Ma'elian. Um, there's a whole quote from there, from the Shalah, which is escaping me right now, but it makes it, it's like, it brings out in a very interesting way that, that like Hashem is like, Hashem as he's mislavished in the spheres, it's almost like a person that created the world. Like it says in the Yechazko about the Demusa Kisev, uh, the Demusa Maria Adam love, right? Like, like something that looks like a person. Or maybe or or um Elokim, right? So there's like the structure that Hashem uses to create the world. It's not a it's not only like a structure that he uses to create the world, it's a structure that he puts himself into, like it's a structure for himself. In other words, it's it specifically says that it's not that the spirits are not like tools in a toolbox. It's not like something separate from him that he picks up, so to speak, and uses to create the world. It's it's actually him. Right? So it's like, oh, that's interesting. Like Hashem has like a, an actual midah. There's like an actual thing in existence of Hashem's midah of chesed. There's an actual thing in existence of, of, uh, of Hashem's mayach hachachma right? Or mayach abina. I don't know if mayach is an appropriate uh, word when we use it in that way, but, but kayach, let's say. Hashem's kayach hachachma, Hashem's kayach abina. So that's like, that's interesting. How did that get there? Oh, as soon as I say, how did that get there? And as soon as I become interested in how did that get there? So now, Iris and Kalim come as an answer to an interesting question. 
right? So everything in Hasidus is like that. There's certain things that are, are very um, simple and they're very connected to our life already and they're, they're easy for us to appreciate the relevance of it. And then there's like going more into the details and more into the subtleties. And, and those questions are usually only relevant when you have the more general understanding first. Um, I'm sure, even though I don't have like a bunch of my marmon and off the top of my head, but I'm sure that if you went into the sugya of why we don't blow shreifah in Rosh Hashanah, I'm sure that this applies over there, that there's like the Alter Abba's Maimer that lays down the general understanding of it, and then I'm sure that there's later Maimarim that, that you know, pick on a detail of it, or Mepapal about it. Yeah, yeah, this is about Chedesh also. The Alter Abba says, the Melech Vesada, you give me Mr. Rachimim, and then you have Maimarim that go into this whole thing. Is it a Nesinas Kayach? Is it a Hesodius Milamaya? Like, what exactly is the nature of this Hesodius you give me Mr. Rachimim? Right, so that it's like personally when I when I would uh, years ago when I tried learning one of those my mom about it, is it in the Sinas Kayaf or is it this or is it that? It was like I don't care, <laughs> you know. Not that I shouldn't care, but but I just was not in a place where like the question of which exact way is it felt relevant to me. Where I was at in my avoda, where I was at in my avoda is trying to appreciate this is a time of Rach, a time of I don't like the words a time of Rachman because it's not a time of of Rachman. It's uh, Hashem showing up to this time in a, in a way of Rachman. Um, maybe I'll talk more about that distinction soon. Maybe hear it already in the way that I'm saying it. But like that in my avoida and my relationship with Hashem, that was enough for me. Like focusing on Hashem is at this time acting towards us in a way of Rachman. I don't need for my avoida right now the whole question of which exact way it works, you know, and, and therefore learning that when I wasn't like ready to learn that would actually distract me from the relationship component. Again, I'm not saying I'm Islamita, I'm just saying my experience. Um, but anyway, so my, my point is that going back to the question I said a few minutes ago is, is it's good to ask whenever we're learning Hasidus or, or teaching Hasidus, what would a person need to appreciate in order to care about this and feel like this is highly relevant and deeply relevant? So... What? Themselves when they're yeah. They could ask, you know, they're not finding interesting, but people say, what would I need to do to feel this, feel this relevant? Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's a great point. Meaning, instead of feeling like, oh, it's this again, you know, doing its uh, lofty stuff, you know, oh no, maybe look inside. What, what, what do I need before this? You know, so this is. I'm bringing this up now because we wanted to talk about Elul and Tishrei, and so far I haven't said a word about Elul and Tishrei pretty much. And the reason why I didn't jump into straight, straight into Elul and Tishrei is because for me, the whole idea of Elul and Tishrei is like that for me. Meaning it's like, if I don't have that baseline relationship with Hashem that applies every day, so then I don't really feel that much about Elul and Tishrei. So for me, it's like, what do I need to appreciate before I could appreciate Hamelch Basada and and things like that? So I need to appreciate that Hashem is as real as another person and that He's creating my experience at every moment. And when I'm in a space of feeling like Hashem is as real as another person, and He's creating my whole experience at every moment, then, oh, this month is the time of Rachamim. Interesting. What does that mean for me? So let's talk about that.
Um, we're all the officers here. Does anyone ever have a hard time with guilt? <laughs> Anybody ever feel like, um, you know, maybe their Avedis Hashem is not like where they want it to be? <laughs> I want to tell you, in the, in the coaching that I've done over the last couple of years, um, I think that the most, you know, the most common topic that everybody brought up, regardless of personality or whether they're a bucker or a or a business owner or whatever, um, the, the number one thing that I think is like ubiquitous from, from doing life coaching with lobometers is what about my chasroinus, you know, the, the, the guilt of my chasroinus. And I know from my own experience also, maybe I just attract those kind of people because I'm also like that. But, uh, but I don't think so. I, I think that it's really, it's something that we all experience because, you know, we're, we're learning Hasidus, we're exposed to a very high level of Hashem. Like we're exposed to, we're reading about very high standards of Avaida. Like standards that like, I don't know if anyone ever even heard of some of this stuff, like the type of Bittal that we learn about, you know, the type of Ava that we learn about, you know? Like for many Yidin, the, the focus is like following halacha, and you can do it because you're getting scar and God and you're a tzaddik. Like you know, it's good. I'm not putting it down. It's a different. It, but, right. The hill Parancher, there's a story of Hill Parancher. The Hill Parancher said before he became, not Ahal, I mean, before he said before he became a Hasid, he was like sitting trying to figure out, like, how is the Shem going to have enough sky for him? No. Wasn't Hill Parancher? No? Okay. Okay. Maybe I heard wrong. But uh, a Hasid. Um, but, but are you sure? It really wasn't, you're sure it wasn't Hill Parancher? Because it must have been someone who was like, was like learning, like you say, Riza, no? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know who, I don't know who it was, but it was someone who was doing big things before he became a custard, right? And so he was trying to figure out how Hashem was going to possibly have enough star for him. What? How Hashem's going to have enough star for him. <laughs> um, and then he became a chassid and he started wondering, like, how could Hashem even, like, tolerate his existence, you know? <laughs> because, so, so what does that mean? Uh, so this is, isn't the chassidus, like, the happy there? You know, like, why did he feel that way? Uh, my understanding of the story, you know, again, I, I don't so know. The, said the end of the story, I thought, yeah. Another question said, when the story goes, he was in a sorrow and all day, and he came to the altar. And all day, said, what changed? I know the same one, except this part. And so wait, so but why does the guilt arise though? Why does the guilt arise? It's not because Hasid is telling you you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. It's just that Hasid talks about this very lofty 
I don't want to use the word lofty, but it talks about a very high standard, you know, reaching very great spiritual heights. And when you read about those spiritual heights and you see that you're not at those spiritual heights, so then it could be like a lot of guilt, right? Could be. You're at the spiritual heights. What are you saying? You, know, you, can't, you can't say anything. So. You could have that experience, or you could have the experience, like I did, like I, I'm sharing a little bit, I was saying that not always does this uh, only bring positive emotions. For me, at a certain stage of my uh, growth, I guess, it actually made the guilt even more. Because, what? Yeah, you can see what I'm saying. Yeah, he's, he's here. He's, he's, he's wanting me to do whatever he is wanting me to do. I see that I just didn't do it. I can't, get, I can't seem to get my body to do, you know, no matter how clear it is in my mind that he wants me to do whatever it is. And I see that I just like, I don't know. <laughs> my body just is not going, you know. Or, or it's Shabbos and he really doesn't want me to, uh, to like pick my skin, let's say, on Shabbos, right? But he gave me a lot of peeling skin. He gave me the peeling skin, <laughs> right? Hands are all chapped up in the winter or whatever it is, right? He made it all peely like that. And he's telling me, sit there in old Shabbos and don't peel it. Like, and if not, Karis or something, you know? Like, what? You know, so it doesn't, it doesn't always go so positive. Uh, and, 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 but that's real advice it's Hashem to navigate that, that challenge, you know? Of course it is, but it's, and what I'm saying is that the, the Yetzirah doesn't vanish out of existence the moment you start realizing Hashem is as well as another person who's creating your whole experience at every moment. The Yetzirah still continues to persist. Yeah, so. But don't get stuck in guilt. No, so you have to work on it. But I'm saying, I'm just saying that the guilt uh, arises. Why am I talking about guilt? Because we're talking about talking about Rachamim. The opposite of Rachamim is Din. Right? And Din, so I can have judgments on myself. My guilt, when a person feels guilty, it's basically that they're judging themselves. Now imagine a person has a lot of Din on themselves and, and has a lot of guilt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I see you don't like seem to be familiar with the Nefshah Bahamas, uh, Rabbi Pass. So, so imagine a person is uh, aware of his shortcomings in Avodas Hashem, and he's coming up to Rosh Hashanah, and he's pumped up with Chassidus about how Rosh Hashanah is the head of the whole year, and everything that's going to happen to him the whole year is about to be decided. Right? It all depends on how you show up on that day, pretty much, and the the days before, the days after. It'd be scary stuff. That could be really scary stuff. What if I have like big goals for next year? 
and I have big goals, and I I realize that Hashem is is real. He's as real as another person. He's creating my whole experience at every moment. He's gonna create my whole next year. To be scared, you don't think so? So, so it all depends on on your level of trust in in Hashem, right? See, when you're not aware of Hashem as being real and creating your whole experience every moment, so you could not have Bitaqan and not have the opposite of Bitaqan. You just go. Right? When you're aware of the reality of Hashem and how Hashem's creating everything every moment, or like they had in the in the midbar, right? There's no like being part of about Hashem. It's like either you had the Bitaqan or you didn't, you know? Either you think he's gonna make it good or you think he's not gonna make it good. And um so in that context, and this is not the only uh, relevance of Elul, obviously, but it's, it's one way that Elul can be relevant. Um, so then Rachamim is like, wow, like there's a time of like no din for like a whole month. That's pretty cool. There's a time when like, no matter what I did over the past year, if I make a commitment, to doing better he's going to smile at me and I can like count on it it's not like in the scales it's like you know anybody who comes is smiling wow that's pretty cool what you really have to yeah yeah um but you can and he wants and and so and so then it becomes it becomes Hashem is here he's as real another person as another person he's creating my whole experience at every moment and he's he is showing up to this moment in a way of ready to forgive me and ready to give me my requests and all he wants is just i should make a commitment to doing better <laughs> that's that's hell to me He's here just like you're here. He's creating my whole experience. And anything that went wrong this past year, just commit to doing better and we can wipe the whole thing away. And, it, and it's Yom Kippur. It's to the same degree, seemingly from the Mimer of the Altar seemingly to the same degree as Yom Kippur. Without the fasting, just... What is Elul originally? In, in Chumash. Always good to bring things back to Chumash, you know? I'm the big Chumash guy. Elul, the Kippur, is the forgiveness for the Chet Egel. You can forgive the Chet Egel. Forgive actual Vedizara or whatever, the Farshan, yeah. You know? But he can forgive the Chet Egel. That's pretty powerful forgiveness right there. I like that. <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. So how much more so he could forgive my not Daigle? He doesn't want me to do another not Daigle. He wants me to do Shuvah. But, but the openness to forgive, right? And the openness to give me a good year, despite whatever may have happened this past year. Amazing. Now, if I'm in a place where I don't think of 
my experience is being created from Hashem. So that idea is much weaker, right? But if I'm like deeply in tune with the fact that my whole experience is being created by Hashem at every moment, so then whether Hashem is judging me or Hashem is having rachamim on me, it's like a big nafkamina. <laughs> it's like a big deal. If my whole experience is being determined by that, my whole reality, my whole life, everything that's going to happen to me in the next year is all based on that. So, wow. So this is a real opportunity to, to reconnect and to clean up whatever might have gone wrong in the last year. And, and the truth is it helps us if, if someone is struggling with guilt. Again, it could be many other things a person struggling with. I'm just, for me, this one of guilt is a big one. So the whole year, it helps with guilt even because there's sikhahs where the Rebbe and the Peter Rebbe talk about like, don't do too much chashban and nefesh during the year. Save it for El, like, like the idea of the businessman who's, he can't always be making chashban, he makes a chashban at the end of the year. So it's saying, save the main chashban and nefesh for the time when Hashem is in super forgiving mode at the end of the year. And in the meantime, go and do the best you can. And don't obsess over your shortcomings. Don't get so caught up in it. Of course, you also do a chashban and nefesh certain times during the year. But the, the main chesbon and nefesh is in this time of supercharged rachimim when everything can be repaired. That's like an unbelievable thing. And it's like a scheduled thing every year. You know? Imagine you have a scheduled uh, time once a month or once a year. You know, we sort of have Yom Kippur every month. You know, imagine you have a scheduled time every, whatever you want, week, month, uh, year where with each person that you have a really deep relationship with you say we're putting this date on the calendar that we don't let this date go by without talking through and clearing up anything that might be in the way of our relationship that would be cool that's what even Kipper is and and the author ever says that Elul is basically Yom Kippur Without the, without all the fanfare, you know, it's in the field. So, so that's what Elul is too. It's a scheduled month of let's, we can clean up everything that happened. We can get past everything and reconnect in a deep way. And then Rosh Hashanah, we're running out of time, so we'll just talk briefly about Rosh Hashanah. So. I like to think of every Yom Tov in terms of like basically the way we just said uh, about Elul. It's like, how is Hashem showing up to this time? Instead of it being, this is a time of Rachamim, it's Hashem is showing up to this time in a way of Rachamim. You know, a quick uh, tangent again. In, in English, there's something called active voice and passive voice. In, the, in English grammar. So if you say an active voice sentence is like, um, Arye hit the ball, right? A passive voice, if you want to flip that sentence into passive voice, you say, the ball was hit. If you want, you could say by Arye, but you don't have to. It could be a finished sentence. You just say, the ball was hit. You know? So when you switch from active voice to passive voice, the, the person who's doing the thing a lot of times gets cut out of the sentence. So in, uh, in Yiddishkeit, 
we sometimes say things in the passive voice, so to speak. We, we don't say who is the one doing it. So it's a time of rachmim. It's a time of doing tshuva. Well, who, like, who made it the time of rachmim? Who made it the time of doing tshuva? It's not that it's a time of, it's also true it's a time of rachmim. But he made it the time of rachmim. So it's, it's and, and not just he made it, he's making it now. So he's right now making a time of rachmim. He's coming, you know, and this is what Chassidus means when it says that there's a gili of this midah or that midah, right? It's how is Hashem expressing himself at this time? So, so he's, so in Elul, it's, he is as real as another person. He's creating my whole experience right now. And he is showing up and creating in a way of rachamim, which means he's super ready to forgive anything that might've gone wrong. He's super ready to listen to my requests. And so what's the natural way for me to act in response to him presenting that is to try to do tshuva and to present my requests, right? And so the same thing with any time of year on Rosh Hashanah, it says specifically in the Mimer, that, uh, uh, sorry, Rosh Hashanah, the king is in the palace. He's not in the field anymore. So the king is showing up differently on the day of Rosh Hashanah. So on Rosh Hashanah, he's still as real as another person. He's still creating my experience at every moment. But now it's not Rachman. Now it's let me know if you want me to be the king. I'm interested in being king. You let me know if you're in. And, and you let me know. We'll start Rosh Hashanah. The Tainug is not there. He's not fully invested in creating the world. Uh, the Rebbe's father spoke about actually feeling it. I think there's a story that someone asked uh, the Rebbe's father, like, well, you know, Rosh Hashanah, shouldn't it feel a little different? And the, the, I think the Rebbe's father said something like, what, you don't feel it? <laughs> you know, I, I don't think that's the exact words, but the concept, right? So, so Tzadik can feel it, and they feel it, has hems kind of passion, interest in creating the world is uh, lacking a little bit. Yeah. Like, do you guys want this? If you want it, show me you want it. Accept and blow Shaifar and and daven the whole day and Malchus the friends for Shaifar's. That's how you'll tell me if you want me to still be the king. That's like a totally different way of Hashem showing up to a day. Right? And that's why, for us, that's a totally different kind of day. And Yom Kippur is still a different way. And Asari uh, Samei are a certain way. And, uh, and, and the, but then Sukkot is a totally different way. Right? Sukkot that already switches totally to Kavi Amin. And Sukkot, he's showing up in the way of post and it's come, sit in the Sukkot, everything Everything you, you do, you hang out with your friends, you eat a sandwich, you know, do it all in the sukkah, and it's all a mitzvah. Eating a piece of cake, we're going to make it a mitzvah. Just do it in the sukkah. It's a hug, and now it's a mitzvah to eat cake. You have to stay relationship with sukkah. You need a cake because you're doing a mitzvah. And then simchostaira, you don't even need mitzvahs. <laughs> no mitzvah of simchostaira. I'm saying there's a jump, but... No specific mitzvah of simple Shem showing up in a way of 
the the mila of a yid, and and the 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 yid is the feet to the turner. The yid is taking the turner to the place that it can't go. And and so you think of the whole year, each time of year, in this way. How is trying to understand? Again, Hashem is as real as another person. He's creating my whole experience right now, and at each time of year, there's a certain way in which he is showing up to that time and what he's projecting into the world, how am I going to relate to that, given that that's what he's creating at that time? So if we can train ourselves to have the regular weekday awareness of Hashem being real and Hashem bringing our whole existence, our whole experience into existence, then all of the stuff that Siddha says about the particular times, it flows so much more. Because you're actually sensitive to the fact that there's something happening now. And then once you're sensitive to the fact that there's something happening now, you can become sensitive to which thing is happening now. Then all these stories start to make sense. Like, you know, it says like on Arab Shabbos, how I think this one was actually Hill Parcher. Hill Parcher would with uh, it says uh, Shabbos is a Dormita Daza, right? Whatever that means, I don't exactly know, but it's time of going to sleep. So, what? Before Shabbos, ever Shabbos. So, Hill Parcher, because of that Indian, so I, I suspect, you know, if I could, uh, if I could suppose that Hill Parcher would uh, agree with my way of expressing things. So, on Erev Shabbos, Hashem is real, He's creating my whole experience. And he's showing up, up in a way that has something to do with sleep, whether I fully understand it or not. I'm sure he did, right? And so he'll partner would go to sleep. And when he would lay down to go to sleep, he would fall asleep right away. And by the Alter Rebbe, it says a different lashon, which I don't remember the exact lashon. I don't want to say it wrong because it's Alter Rebbe. But the Alter Rebbe, it was like even more natural than that. It was like the Alter Rebbe like, didn't even have to lay down to go to sleep or, or something along those lines, right? And, and that's the concept of, it's called his tachkosaguf, like the, the, the body of a tzaddik is so refined that it, it's like, it, it flows like more and more effortlessly that their body aligns with whatever is happening in the, you know, in the Pritzufim and how Hashem is showing up to the world. So for us, it doesn't happen automatically. We, we have a body that is, uh, you know, uh, for these last few moments of well, it's still a body of So for us, it takes thought and it takes effort and it takes work and it takes clarity. Um, to even just get like a little bit of awareness, you know. Um, but I, I really believe that it's shaykh to each and every one of us. And I hope that the way that I broke it down tonight will help make it accessible to more and more people. And I hope that people will experiment with their own thoughts and their own misweightedness and their own uh, their own experience. And they Sam Chavez, everyone's going to have their own, you know, specific way and specific experience of it. And I hope that this will be helpful. And if anyone wants to be in touch, you're welcome to reach out to me and we can talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me.